Lauren Vaughn and the Metabolic Studio offers the Explorers Club to share meaningful journeys, encounters, and projects in an intimate setting at the Metabolic Studio. Session 18, July 14th, 2016, features Rochelle Fab and Maya Bong presenting their research on the historic women's building and the feminist art movement in Los Angeles. Let's tune in, connect, and listen. has not yet been um, digitized and made public, but that's something that Caroline and I have been able to see when we went to go and look at the archives. And I'm holding this book, and this is one of the companion pieces to the exhibition from Otis, um, from the exhibition, which wasn't, I found out, it wasn't entirely um, complete. It was missing a lot about um, the exhibitions, because there were so many hundreds of thousands of exhibitions and even artists who came through in the 16 years that it was there that they did a timeline and they did the best that they could of getting the archives which exist at uh, the Smithsonian Archives of American Art in Washington DC at the Getty um, at something which is new that I found out called One Archives of Gay and Lesbian Art which is in um, West Hollywood a lot of the archives went there and then the women's personal archives and collections where they had shared or, or sold the work. So these three women on the cover, Arlene Raven, who has since passed away, who is an art historian and a big arts writer, 
Sheila DeBretville, who was a graphic designer um, and who is alive and well and teaching um, at Yale and is still very much in contact with the women. I'm hoping to meet her when I go and visit my mom in Long Island next month. So Sheila DeBretville and then also uh, Judy Chicago, who became probably the most famous of the three for uh, her work, The Dinner Party, which you'll see images of that she's been um, culling from the archive. And so there was these three women who actually started the Women's Building. And to give a little bit of history, this is actually the second Women's Building, which I didn't know. Um, the whole, the Women's Art Movement in Los Angeles, as far as spaces, began with a, a gallery called Women's Space. And that was a gallery in Venice on Venice Boulevard, and that was run by women in response to the male-dominated art world and the lack of representation and places for women to show. So that gallery opened in Venice. And then the first woman's building opened in MacArthur Park um, at the former Chouinard Art Institute building. It was a beautiful Beaux-Arts building, three-story, and they were there, and that's where they started this whole collective collaborative movement of women artists and thinkers and feminist gathering and then it was sold. So they moved to this building. And so that's kind of where our research and our story begins. But the very first woman built, woman's building was at the Chicago Expo. Right. So that was a historical, at this point it's historical, but at the time it was to show women artists that that has been forgotten mostly. At this point it's more well known, but one of Judy Chicago's students discovered uncovered that history of the Chicago Expo Women's Building, and that helped spark the idea for women artists to be shown like that. This, it was very metabolic studio-like because it was one of Judy, Judy Chicago was teaching a feminist art workshop, and she had a program um, at CalArts, and one of her students went to a thrift store, and she found this book called The Women's Building. She was like, what? It's a catalog, and they were talking about doing, not the Women's Building here, but the first one, and then they realized that it had had a predecessor in 1893. And what I read about the exhibition is it showed women's art and handicrafts from all over the world. And it was the second biggest attraction to the Ferris wheel at that, ex at that expo that year in 1893. It was huge. It was the only place at the expo where people could sit down. So it brought a lot of men in so that people could actually rest their bones. And people got a chance to see the women's artwork. Some of it was, you know, hair painting. Some of it was needlecraft. And, um, more traditional um, arts, but then there was also more fine art too. And it also had a section on women's philanthropy. And it was designed by a woman architect, Sophie Gaden, um, in 1893. And it was around for a couple of years, and then unfortunately it burnt to the ground, and everything was lost. So, so that kind of brings us to where we are now. And Lauren said, hey, you know what? Let's do something. The building's for sale. Um, it's, it's for sale, and it's part of three of the brick buildings on Spring Street, and the owner's asking $25 million for all three. He doesn't want to break them up individually. And so we know that at some point it is going to be sold. And so Lauren said, you know, let's look at the woman's building as another special project in archiving. And although they did an amazing job at Otis, and Otis has an archive now of imagery, it hasn't been conclusive. So at the end of our presentation, we'll kind of let you know what's happening. But Lauren said, why don't we have a dinner party? Like Judy Chicago's dinner party, but we'll really, you know, we'll eat food. Let's invite the women artists who are still around, still living. A lot of them are in their 70s and 80s who started this back in their early 70s. So our um, dinner party list actually started with 
Sheila DeRetville, who I could get a hold of. I couldn't get a hold of Judy Chicago. She's pretty famous. She lives outside of Santa Fe, and she's hard to reach, although I've left messages. And then Suzanne Lacey and um, Terry Wolverton, who is a writer, author, um, who lives in Venice, who I know. And it started with three women, and then it spread out from invitation of three women to over 53 women who were invited, and we had over 40 who actually showed up to, to the dinner at the barn last Wednesday, July 6th. So Maya has been doing a really great job on pulling together the history and the images, so I'm going to scroll through them, and I'll stop wherever you'd like me to, and you can tell. Yeah, I think actually I could just scroll through. You do? Yeah, okay. and then when they go, oops, sorry, I see when I just stop it. And you can... Yeah, so I was just kind of looking, as Rochelle was saying, through like the archives that they have of um, photographs of the artwork, which at first proved to be like kind of difficult because, you know, the internet was not around then, and also for some reason the feminist art movement has kind of been tucked under the rug in a way, in terms of like actually remembering the art pieces. Um, so at first it was like I couldn't find hardly anything specific, any images or images of performances, so that was frustrating. And then one art, um, archive database, Otis's archive database, started working, which I don't know if I was using it wrong before or something, but anytime I would type something in it would say error. And then all of a sudden, one day, I got the right link and it was like a whole thousands and thousands of images uncovered so that was really exciting and I was thinking you know we were trying to put together this slideshow presentation and I think that maybe a good way to start is just to go through these images and just see them and be with them you know in physical time and space and so I'll stop at times to talk about them but I think maybe just scrolling through so we have then and now and we'll show you now what some of the women are working on that they've sent to us, but here's them. This is the doing it in public um, cover. Can we pause for a second here? Yeah. Oh, sorry, just to interject. This show, um, Incest, um, Bedtime Stories Women Speak Out about incest, this actually was an exhibition that Merle from the VA participated in. So Merle Fishman, who most of us know, who teaches art and Susan the art teacher left at the VA, she was part of the women's building early on, and she was part of this exhibition and performances and published a book. Mm -hmm. So, it was, and she was at the dinner. Yeah, and um, these, this is one of the most, well, not most important, but definitely up there in, of their exhibitions that they had. This was like a really transformational exhibition for a lot of the women to come together and speak about their experiences with rape and, you know, family rape and incest and, you know, uncovering these stories together. So through art, too, that was a really powerful experience. Here's a piece from this exhibit. And this is The Waitresses. This is um, a performance art group that brought together waitresses who are also artists and empowering waitresses, you know, dealing with issues such as minimum wage and not being paid enough and the disrespect that a lot of waitresses feel as women um, coming from men and other women. So kind of empowering women and really enjoying being a waitress and using it as a platform for art practice. So this is the Sisters of Survival. They were a performance art group dealing with nuclear threat and um, 
kind of the idiocracy of the nuclear conundrum that they were facing at this time, and you know, we still are. So these were a group of artist women who came together and you know, were fighting these issues together collectively as activists and as women and artists. And as I scroll through this, I'll just say that something that was kind of frustrating about this experience was that while like, we could find all these beautiful imagery from this database, I couldn't actually find any information on what I was looking at. And when I would do further research on these specific pieces or the artists or the exhibits, many times there was no further information to be found. So kind of going through this again is a good experience because now that we know these artists and that we're you know, engaging in communication with them, we can ask questions and figure out what were these about, you know, what are these specific pieces representing. So this sculpture is called Naked Ladies by Kate Millett, and actually at the top of the building, at the roof, there was a big sculpture of a naked woman, like this, um, you know, at the very top. So that's Kate Millett's piece, and she had an entire room full of um, these women. So this is Barbara T. Smith, and a lot of her work deals with sexuality and the body and being a woman. So she installed herself as a living sculpture where you could come and she painted herself white and silver and you could come and kiss her with red lipstick or whatever color lipstick and leave your mark. It was called Pucker Up. <laughs> a lot of the pieces that they dealt with had to do with ritual and kind of rediscovering and re uncovering practices and ritual that have been amongst women for centuries. And this was Chrysalis Magazine, which as you can see is a magazine of women's culture. So this was like a monthly, I believe, publication that talked about women's culture, women art, types, you know, the issues that are going on, activist issues, and that was, and it still is, right? Mm -mm. No? They've stopped publishing. Okay, yeah. But it continued for a long time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this is um, the Vesta Awards, which was an award program given out to women artists as kind of support and recognition of the art that was being made by women at the time because a lot of awards weren't given to women artists at the time. So um, here's the first annual Vesta Award group photo. Vesta was the, the god, the Roman goddess of Parthenon. And this is a photo from the At Home series. This is an artist called Linda Nishio. This was another major ex exhibition that um, and performance that took place at the Women's Building about being at home at the Women's Building and welcoming in different women and women from all cultures and walks of life to be at home at the Women's Space. Um, so here's Linda Nishio performing that. I thought this was a really amazing piece. And it kind of reminds me of Warren with Building 209. Yeah. On her head in yeah. D.C. Yeah. Right? yeah. echoes of that. So another major show at the, women's, at the Women's Building was an oral history of lesbianism rather than history. So this like brought together a lot of different of the a lot of the artists and um, it was directed by Terry Wolverton but most of the women at the women's building at the time were involved with this performance um, as actors or costume designers. It all came together, so that was a really exciting piece as well.
This is Sue Mayberry and Sherry Galky who were at the women's building dinner that we just had. And I just thought that was such a fabulous wow, photo. She looks like David I know, right? Oh my God. <laughs> so waiting, wow. waiting at the soda fountain was another performance. This was not their daily garb, but I wish it was. <laughs> this is Merle Fishman's book that was in the um, incest show. This is the cover of it. And it was so nice to have her at the dinner because she hadn't seen those men out in decades. Wow. So when she got to the barn, it was like, this was a haunted woman house that they had for Halloween. <laughs> it was pretty great. This is one of um, Leslie Labowitz's stars. Le Leslie Labowitz stars's performance piece about the importance of not being treated like a piece of meat within the media, like women, you know, looking weak and skinny and taking photos in all these strange postures and like just the importance of feeling empowered as a woman and knowing like how strong and beautiful you are. I thought this was a great title. <laughs> this was part of an oral history of lesbian directed by Terry Wolverton and this part was called Stalking the Wild Orgasm. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Here's more oral history of lesbianism. And this is one of May Sun's piece. She's in the center there. She was also at the dinner that we just had. I thought this was great. It just looks like a really funny like music video. But this is also, I want to ask her about what this, you know, had to do because we don't really, we can't gather really what this is about, but obviously it's, it's a social commentary. So it would be really exciting to learn more about what she was trying to get across. So the Open Grid show, Rochelle knows more about this than I, but it's basically where they invited artists to come and put up their artwork, right? Mm -hmm, yeah, so it was pink, pink paper, so Sheila DeBretto, is known for this paint. So she put on eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper all over one of the spaces in the women's building on one of the three floors. And it was it was an egalitarian exhibition. And so women were invited to create something anybody could, could create and post within that, that grid space. Well, we can talk about, yeah, the, I mean, there were three floors and there were many, many different things. So there, the third floor was the public space, so all the performances and a lot of the workshops took place on the third floor space. And then on the first floor space, there was the um, women's graphic workshop. There was the sisterhood bookstore, women's bookstore. Um, there was the video, video, video center. So this was um, Linda Vallejo, who was also at the dinner party, and she ran the Madre Tierra Press, which was a press for Chicana women and Latina women to, you know, pub publish work and publish thoughts and articles. So this is the opening publication party, um, and here she is doing a ritual. And this is a page by Linda Vallejo from the press. So they had a printing press much like um, what the Veterans Print Studio had. They had a fully operating press where they could do, they did all of their posters, their invitations, their books, everything in the house. So a lot of the work at the Women's Building also had to do with performance workshops, so different women teaching each other about performance, performance art, and you know, there were a ton of different workshops being held by these women for these women. So this is one by Suzanne Lacey. 
called Deformity and Perfection, and we'll see some more throughout. This is more Suzanne Lacey. Here's another type of workshop, but this was a writing class led by Eloise, Eloise Klein-Healy. So there were a lot of different writing workshops as well. This, in particular, I believe, was an actual scheduled class. So this is um, a, pu a publicity shot for Spinning Off, which was the um, monthly mag uh, no, magazine um, newsletter that came out of the Women's Building. So it was published at the Women's Building and put together at the Women's Building. So this was the group kind of like getting ready to release that. So the Feminist Art Workers was another art collective, art practicing group that um, this is one of their pieces. Also could not find information on it, but I'm assuming from the photos that I saw, this was a social commentary on the act of getting married and being in a white gown, like this pristine wife bride. Um, so it was called To Love, Honor, Cherish, and it was in celebration of the fifth anniversary of the Women's Building. Also, they had wonderful anniversary celebrations. As you'll see more photos, there was just, they had so much fun at each anniversary. This is another ritual class. This was part of the Deformity Perfection workshop by Suzanne Lacey. So this was a performance piece by Sisters of Survival, which is the group, the anti-nuclear woman group, um, called Civil Defense, A Crave Mistake. And unfortunately, something that was frustrating is that a lot of the Otis database had spelling errors, and I couldn't tell if they actually meant to say grave mistake, because when I did do further research, it did seem that it was a grave mistake, but there was that website itself was a bit, I wasn't sure if I should trust that either, so we'll leave it up to the artists to tell us. This is the Sisters of Survival at a new anti-nuclear march. The Girl Artists was another collective art group that um, I actually don't know, We I didn't find much information about, but of what I did find within the photographs was that they made a lot of commentary on shopping and the like, mass production <laughs> in America. <laughs> so this was a great um, art piece that we... We actually received an email from Barbara Margolis with images of her own experiences at the Women's Building, and this was a performance that she put together about aging as a feminist artist called Nancy, Nanny and Marigolds. Here they are performing at the Women's Building. And that's on the third floor. That's the top this was Barbara Margolis' first performance character at the Feminist Studio Workshop, which you will soon learn was one of the main things going on at the Women's Building. And this was a diploma. Actually, the Feminist Studio Workshop, you could receive a diploma from taking classes and you know going to school there. So this was a diploma which Rochelle and I were really excited about because it's printed on pink satin on the letterpress at the Women's Building. And this was Barbara Margolis's own uh, diploma. And to just add to what Maya is saying, at the beginning, Carolina and I were watching the videos, what we found is that the Feminist Studio Workshop started in 1975 with the Women's Building, and it was a two-year accredited college. And women came from all over the world. They were coming from Europe, and they were coming there. They knew about the Women's Building, so we saw women coming from Switzerland and France and Germany and they were 
together and also the diversity that was there. We had the women was really impressive at the time for 1975. It looked to be a very inclusive program and you could actually get those, those credits transferred to um, your college or university. Um, so here's just a brief slideshow of the artwork that women sent to us who came to the dinner about the current artwork that they're doing. Um, unfortunately, it's not a comprehensive list or <laughs> amount of, you know, there is so much more work that people are doing, but this is what we, we received. So Dorit Sippus is um, leading as a co-founder and lead artist of the Educator of Northeast Youth Council. She's also a social practice teacher at Otis, and she's a Metabolic Studio Fellow, so we provided grant funding for her to come in and to do um, social practice art in the students for us. This is um, May Sun. She sent us photos from the Gerdau Steel Mill in Rancho Cucamonga. So there we have a bunch of these photos. And this is a project that May Sun's doing with her students at um, Otis College. And here is, they're designing a way to honor the Palauans who served and are still serving in the United States military. So this is a graph, uh, not a graphic, uh, tech, what's the word? Digital um, rendition of what they're hoping to build. Marguerite Elliott and Maria Caris published the Women's Building and Feminist Art Education, a pictorial her story. We have these books, by the way. Um, Caroline has been buying up, so we do have a library of all the books on the women's building. So if you want to check anything out, you can just go to Caroline and that one too. And this was Insurgent Muse, published by Terry Wolverton. And then here's work that Linda Vallejo is doing currently. And this is an awesome um, project that she's working on. Make them all Mexican. So she's taking like famous women, photos of famous artists, I mean, like famous um, actresses and different like, you know, the, rec the reclining Venus position and she's um, painting them all as Mexican brown women and representing like beautiful brown women so that it's not just, you know, a homogenous white Here's a, should we just go through the list of women? You know what, let's tell them just, since we went through the slides which are so beautiful, and thanks to Maya who's been working so hard to kind of get them all together and give you, that's a kind of a colorful history of the art that happened there, but there's so much more that happened there. We just wanted to tell you a little bit about the list of the other things. Um, there was a travel agency that booked tours for women. So they had all these different industries. They had the Sisterhood Bookstore, which was there for many, many years, and then it moved to Westwood. And it was in Westwood for a long time. They closed, I think, about 10 years ago. They had an exhibition space, they had gallery spaces. They also had a thrift store, which was an artwork. Yeah, this was an artwork, artwork put together by Nancy Fry, who also made a sculpture of the woman's building made out of dough. So she like worked with dough and made all these amazing sculptures. Also, a lot of sculptures like commenting on like the way that feminist, uh, yeah, feminism and lesbianism has been portrayed by the media. So she makes like these lesbian scenes out of dough. And uh, so yeah, she started the store, the thrift store, because it's still yeah, everything from the women's building ended in 1991, and what we found out is that it actually started its decline in the early 80s when Ronald Reagan. He 
needed to office because what happened is that the funding for the arts got cut. So they couldn't, they were a nonprofit organization. In fact, they still are a nonprofit organization. They've maintained their nonprofit status since 1975. Um, they still have a board, they still have a functioning nonprofit, they just haven't been actively fundraising. Um, so they lost their funding. So in the in the early 80s, they started to rent out studio space. And so that whole building, which became a full-on hive, which also had a coffee house called Alice Cafe, um, it had daycare, it had the women's um, slide library, it had the Center for Feminist Art Historical Studies, it had a summer art program, um, multiple publications like I was showing you, Chrysalis Magazine, Spinning Off. And the um, Los Angeles Women's Video Center, kind of at the advent of like, video art. And that was really important because women actually, you know when we used to sit in a circle and do our shares early on, we still do it a little bit. They were doing that in the feminist studio workshop, but video was new, so they were taking the video camera and they would have the woman look at herself on video and do the council share. And so there's really amazing, and it was very new, that I was like just getting a cell phone. So women were really playing with video, and then they were learning how to use video, and then they actually launched cable, public access cable TV um, from the women's vote. So that was a series on LA public television. And they talked about nine reasons. That was in, I have to look. I think it may have been 80s into the 90s. But 91, the building closed, and it closed for two reasons. One, the funding dried up. Secondly, a lot of the women artists who you're going to see here, who you've been seeing already, they actually found their way to teaching. So they moved from the women's building, they got their own art careers happening, and then they went in and they started teaching women's studies, feminist studies, and art programs at universities. And so really, the need for the women's building wasn't as strong in the 90s, and it kind of made its way into the economy. What was the source of funding? How did they? They got grants. California Arts Council, which is now a very um, limping along organization, was so vibrant back then, it would give them enough money to pay the rent on the space. And what I've heard from Otis is that every single woman who worked at that space got paid. There was an actual contract to show that women's labor, women's hours, women's volunteer time was worth something. So people weren't there to the babies, they were actually, they were drawing some kind of income. I'm sure it was very nominal, but there was there was something there to show that their time and their effort was, was valued. So yeah, they got funding from California Arts Council, they got funding from the NBA, they got private funding from individuals, but then the 80s came and that's when a lot of these organizations just like into trouble. I was in Chicago Arts. Right, she was there before she did the dinner party. She was there before the women's building started. So that was like around 72. Okay. In the early 70s. So there's CalArts had a feminist art program, yeah. which they still are denying to this day. Yeah. I mean, they really haven't, they, they haven't given it its due. Um, Christine Wertheim, who was there who teaches at CalArts, was saying, like, the history of the feminist art program at CalArts has been totally. Still. I think that so much of it, the history of almost every program that's off at of the 80s. Yeah. Now it's all YouTube, anything after the 80s. Yeah. So that's something that she's trying to change. Um, and yeah, and then Judy ended up leaving CalArts because there was a problem with the mailbox at CalArts. And there was a problem with, with the dean at CalArts. So she splintered off and she went to Fresno. So Judy Chicago opened a feminist um, art program at Fresno, which is still mine. Cool. 
So there's like a not comprehensive also list of some of the art artist collectives, which are pretty cool at the women's building. So there's the feminist art workers, Mother Art, which was an artist collective talking about like you know, being a mother and also an artist. Um, women Against Violence Against Women. That was a really powerful performance group. The Waitresses, Sisters of Survival, Ariadne. Um, that was Suzanne Lacey and Leslie's Lavalette uh, Stars group, and they were really focusing on violence against women and the prevalence of rape that was happening that was going unsolved in Los Angeles. And so they would track the rapes in the locations, and then they would go down to City Hall or for the police station and do a map to raise awareness of it. And they did a fabulous funeral where they got out of a hearse, and they were dressed in these very tall black hats, and they stopped traffic in front of police headquarters in the 70s, and they had the names of the women who had been killed and murdered. So they were really um, speaking out and doing um, street actions and performances about, about that. And then Madre Quiera, which was the Chicana artist led by, well, started by Linda Vallejo. Where We At, which is a black woman, black woman artist collective dealing with racism at the time. Double X, Feminist Art Network. I actually don't know much about Double X, but that was started by Nancy. Um, and then the Lesbian Art Project, which was Terry Wolverton's project, and she was also for dinner. That was dealing with, you know, being a lesbian and all the strange oppression and media portrayals of lesbianism. Okay, so here's, I'll, I'll go through kind of quickly, but here's the um, group of women who came to the Women's Building Dinner. Suzanne Lacey, Consuelo Velasco Montoya, she is the, um, she works with Linda Vallejo now. Or Judy, yeah. No, she works with Suzanne Macy. She's mm -hmm. her. Yeah. She actually administers Suzanne's public practice program at Otis. She's her right now. I thought she came with Linda. Oh, um, okay. She does have Sue Mayberry and Sherry Galky, they're a couple. And they have two kids who are actually two years older than me graduated college. Meg Linton, who's a curator, and she put together the Doing It in Public show. So we invited her to come and she got a lot of the artists to come. Yes. We, we couldn't get And she's living in Arizona now, but she stayed with us at the bar. Sarah Rustin, another curator. Mm -hmm. From Lace. From Lace. She's the new director of Lace. Helene Lee, Barbara T. Smith, Leslie Labowitz stars Terry Wolverton, Merle Fishman, mm -hmm. Ah. May Sun, Jerry Allen, Judy Baca, Linda Vallejo, Maria Caras, Betty Ann Brown, Nancy Buchanan, Dorit Sippis, Lenny Steinberg, Christine Wertheim, Margaret Wertheim, Joanna Demetrakis, another no, she's making a film. She's a filmmaker. She's yeah. actually coming here tomorrow. If anybody, I'll just let you know, at 3, she's going to do a tour of the studio in the Moon with Lou. Um, we had Cheryl Swanick, who was the woman carpenter who taught all the women how to do the carpentry with her father's paint tools. Because her father was a journeyman carpenter and he always had his tools stolen. So he dipped them in pink paint and then he died. She got them. And so she actually taught all the women how to do the drywall and everything else. She lives in New Mexico now, but she's actually working on an amazing documentary film called Feminist, What Were They Thinking? 
about the 1970s, and Lori Anderson's in it, Meredith Monk's in it, Louis Tomlin's in it, a lot of these women from the women's building. So they're coming tomorrow. If anybody wants to, you know, meet them and talk to them at 3 o'clock. Did Lenny have any involvement with the women's building? She went to some of the openings, but she wasn't Amelia Jones, who is a feminist writer and critic and uh, teaches at USC. Frank Frank, who is the musician you heard and artist. And this is Judy Chicago's dinner party, which spurred a huge controversy because each of the plate was representing a vagina. And um, this actually went to the Supreme Court to, because, you know, men were arguing about whether or not this is pornography and whether or not it should be exhibited. And for a long time, it actually wasn't exhibited. And each of the place settings to note, too, was um, there was the name of an individual woman who was a leader through time, through history, artists, uh, Egypt, politics, everything. So here's the, some photos from the woman's building dinner that was just at the barn. There's Barbara T. Smith, um, Judy Baca, and Suzanne Lacey. And to show you what Lauren did, she rolled out paper, and instead of centerpieces, we had little cups full of drawing materials. And so she invited, and she actually started a drawing about the women's building, history, and weaving with these pens and pastels, and then invited women to do their own drawings and write down their thoughts and add to it. So. As the dinner progressed, the women kept drawing at their place settings, and then ultimately we cut them into drawings. She's got a drawing from almost every woman who was attending the dinner, and they're beautiful. And on the wall is all of the research that Maya's been doing, along with Caroline, the biographies and the images from the women's building art. Oh, so that brings us to where we are today, which is at the end. Suzanne Lacey facilitated a discussion with the women saying, hey, look, we're at a moment in time where we're probably going to say goodbye to the building. Um, Alex had done a beautiful sculpture, I don't know if you guys saw it, of the women's building out of clay from the moon. And then with a beautiful flat roof, and each of the women artists came and signed their initials on the roof as a memorial and kind of a goodbye to it. But Lauren said, look, we have the opportunity, and we just got the text that night at 7 p.m. where the owner of the women's building said, yeah, We'll rent it to you for six months, and then month and month after that. And Lauren said, what if we were to take it, and we were to reinstall the Women's Building on the third floor as if it had never left, as a special project in archiving. So unanimously, the women said, yes, we're in, let's do it. And I'd like to do things, but also let's bring in some of the younger women artists. And so there's a flurry of communication going on right now where they're starting to refer to me and to Lauren, younger women artists, and what they might be able to bring to it. And uh, this is our site visit. These are Sarah's photos of what, that's what the space looks like right now that we're renting on the third floor. There's a whole skylight. Yeah, it actually was an atrium. So the building itself was the standard oil buildings banking headquarters. So every single floor has a bank vault in it. And so it was actually their financial offices. And they're, they're, that floor in the center was put in. That was actually a, a walkway around it. It was just a, a hole, an atrium that went right down to the first floor. But the light is beautiful. Um, we have access to the roof. It's in pretty good shape. 
and the first show that Lauren has wanted to do, she asked me to do a call for slides. So I've asked the women to mail me slides here, if any of they work from the Women's Philly time, and we would do a slideshow, and we're also trying to find what was the last show at the top, and images of that, because she wants to do, like she did for um, the 100th anniversary of the aqueduct, recreate those paintings, or images of whatever work was on the walls, reinstall it as if the moment never, never happened, it never left. And then do a lot of different programming. So there's a number of things that we can do from performances to community programming and a lot of um, new women's feminist artist collectives that we can invite in to join us. So that brings us to, to where we are today. And then we can show you guys a little bit of what our dinner party looked like. And we had Sonic Division playing the entire time. And people said, wow, what's that music? And so they liked it. It was a Sonic Division. And Lauren hired a caterer um, named Petita, and she got very, very, very involved um, emotionally and creatively in the catering for the food. So every dish that she created was about fertility, femininity, feminism. It all had theme. All of the ingredients were um, very feminine, very tactile, had to do with um, different things of, of what it might be like to be a woman. And it was all served on Quincy Jones' original plate. So we actually activated his personal archive. We used all of his trays, his cups, his glasses, his serving utensils. And that was our setup from above. So we just had the white paper and then all the art supplies out. And then in the center is Lenny's couch. And Lauren asked me to help her do a performance where as the women came in, we gave each woman a number. They didn't know what the number was for. And then as they got their food and sat down for the dinner party, I would call two numbers and four women would get on the couch in the center and have a conversation. And it was the easiest conversation ever. I couldn't get them off the couch. But I was trying to call the next group of people. They were really interested in meeting each other and talking to one another and it just flowed really easily and it was it was a really beautiful activation of that space. Was so they actually became um, Doug, did you record the couch? I don't know if he did. We talked about it. We talked about hiding a mic in the couch to record it because it was a lot of older women artists and younger women artists kind of coming together and sharing. I was trying to pick numbers where I knew people didn't necessarily know one another. And it was it was a nice way to just have an interactive centerpiece. Are there any guys there? Um, John Yee. You know, here's a funny, here's a funny anecdote. Al was going to be there and then decided not to be, but Al went to the opening, Al O'Dell, who many of you know, of the women's building. His date was Anna Mendieta. That was his date. Yes. So he was dating her. Um, and who, who else did he say was there? Like Hannah Wilkie was there. Unbelievable people were there for the opening of the women's building. And there were a lot of men who came to the public events and certainly to the openings. They weren't excluded. And so Alex's model was on the kind of reception desk on the left. So that's where people would come and sign in. And we had two women curators staying there that night too, which was really nice. Denise from Mass Mocha and then also Meg Linton who curated the Doing It in Public show. So Michelle, that's all of their art? Yeah, yeah, so that was, 
a number of images of, of the art from the women's building and then also their photograph and their bios that Maya put together. And are those liminal prints above that? Yeah. And so that was the liminal print of, I forget the young woman's name from Detroit. I can't think of it right now. Um, and then images of women poets that the liminal shot in Chicago. And the, Nobody got naked. <laughs> <laughs> the 
Thank you.